This is an ABC podcast. Can you be more Pacific? On ABC Radio Australia. And welcome to Can You Be More Pacific? I'm Dean Hallatow, and for the second week in a row as co-host, I'm joined by Ili Sevabatapasanga. Ili. Bulavanaka, Dolavinat, all our listeners, welcome back for another week. First of all, I want to start off with a happy Independence Day to the Solomon Islands for tomorrow. Um, and we've got plenty to get through today. We'll be joined by Vanessa Foliaki from the Cronulla Sharks, inaugural NRLW team. You Can Ask That is all about professionalism. And also we'll chat to Ikali Tahit, head coach, Totai Kefu. But first, how was your week? Week's been good, Illy. I've been um, at work as always. Training. I actually finished a challenge last week uh, in the gym. I think I've mentioned this before on air, but I was in a eight-week challenge, never done a challenge before, and uh, got some good results. But we did like a testing day, and um, it was pretty tough. It was like a team testing day, and um, the teams get ranked at the end of it with scores and whatnot. But it was beside the point for me. It was great to be in a team environment, working alongside three other people and sort of ticking off some goals. It was like a lot of energy, a lot of fun. I've always avoided these sorts of things in the gym and just go and train myself, <coughs> excuse me, go train myself and do my own thing. But um, it was re- really good to sort of be a part of a team again and set some goals and achieve some things together. So that was really enjoyable. What about yourself, Philly? What have you been up to? Yeah, well, um, on the weekend, I had a player's ball for Sydney Uni. And let me tell you, the players played and the ball is balled. <laughs> um, but we'll save that for the weekend. We'll leave those stories for the weekend. But Funnily enough, they had some novelty awards. The players organised themselves um, and I received an award. Now, I don't know if I was happy or sad about it. I was going to say congrats, but I'll hold that. (laughs) I mean, this award, um, I'll let you figure it out. It was the Fossil Award. (laughs) (laughs) And this is out of all players from Colts through to grade. Um, I mean, I, hopefully that means I get respect from the club yes, and the yeah. players. So, yeah, look, I'm willing to take that on and I'll take that one on the chin, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> I think I can laugh. I'm older than you, so yeah. I think I can laugh at that. Um, um, but, yeah, I also had an appearance on um, that Pacific Sports show on Monday, which was my debut with Sammy and um, Tiana talking about all things sport across the Pacific. Sounds familiar. (laughs) Um, But it was great to step out of my comfort zone and meet the people behind the scenes and, yeah, have a good chat on the couch. Good stuff. It's a great show, that Pacific Sports Show. Um, Love love the stories that come out of there. Often um, we get to share some stories, which is is great. So what a week. It was wholesome. Now, in terms of sport, plenty going on, obviously, at the moment and in football with the Women's World Cup approaching. Mary Fowler has been named in the Matildas squad, which – I guess there's little surprise. She's a gun uh, and she's represented on a number of occasions already for the Matilda, scored a stack of goals. Uh, so it's great news for, for Mary. Yeah, the 20-year-old young forward um, is a Cairns local with Irish and PNG background. Um, she has an extensive um, resume with Tournament of the Nations, Adelaide United, Montpellier, Man City, Olympics, and now the World Cup. Like, that's pretty impressive for a 20-year-old. Yeah, she's seen a lot already at, at such a young age in, in, in her professional career. And um, great to see her selected. We, we've mentioned her a few times on the show just because of how good she is at such a young age. Um, and nice post on her Instagram as well. Oh, beautiful. Like a, a little backtrack to when she first started playing and then fast forward to her and her Matildas kit. Like, it's going to be exciting. And the Matildas kick off their World Cup versus Ireland and the World Cup opener in two weeks' time with over 81,000 
thousand tickets already sold. They're hard to come by those tickets, and it's uh, it's quickly approached, hasn't it? It's like snuck up on everyone, I think. Uh, but it's going to be great to see the World Cup played um, down here, and I'm um, looking forward to uh, yeah, just the excitement around around uh, Sydney and, and other places. Yeah, I think Australia's humming at the moment, ready to cheer on the girls. Now, in rugby, Tonga was painted red over the weekend as part of the Tonga Rugby Union's centennial celebrations. And to kick off the celebrations, current ex-Akali Tahi players and the Tongan Rugby Union made a traditional presentation to King Tupo VI at the Royal Palace. Nuku Alofa CBD was decorated with all shades of red as the float parade made its way down the town. Can you imagine that? How loud that would have been. They love a parade in Tonga, and um, I, I remember. I know. I know this is rugby, but I remember in rugby league when they um, had some success, and the, the the players all went back, and it was just a celebration, um, and and obviously a sea of red everywhere you looked. So great uh, for the Kalitahi to have that opportunity to be represented uh, or be presented, I guess, um, uh, and and have that centennial parade. Hundred years is a is a great milestone to to tick off. So uh, well done on that. Firstly, but also just the celebrations. It's uh, it's always awesome to see that that kind of um, yeah that recognition party. and a special presentation to the current players at the ceremony. Oh, sorry, a special presentation with current players at the ceremony should definitely motivate them ahead of their three home test matches um, for the Akalitahi in the Kingdom of Tonga later this year. Yeah, it's going to be great. They um, they're playing against Canada. They're playing against Australia A as well, and we're we're going to chat with uh, their head coach. Todai Kefu later in the show. Uh, so we look forward to hearing about their preparations as uh, they get ready for those tests as, as well as the World Cup later in the year. Yeah, keen, keen. And across to my favourite array <laughs> of Pacific Islands, Fiji Waters Flying Fijians have released their squad for the up-and-coming Pacific Nations Cup. Now head coach Simon Ralui has named eight uncapped players in the 39-member extended squad. It's a good mix of overseas and rural players with the likes of Penny Revai, Viliami Mata, Tetitela, Vilamoni Botitu and Joseva Tuisova. Now, I'm going to take a breath here because he is one of my favourite players to watch. Tuisova has multiple highlight reels of him laying people out in attack and defence. And I would recommend do yourself a favour because he's an absolute athlete if you haven't checked him out already. Now, you'll notice a couple names missing, Hayreti Hatet and Joseva Tamani, who are still recovering from injuries sustained in the Super Rugby Pacific competition. So wishing those boys a speedy recovery as the final 33-member squad for the Rugby World Cup will be named in August. Um, now, what's interesting about this story is that the squad went into camp over the weekend and I saw on the Fiji Rugby Union socials that Coach Rawalui has reconnected the boys back to the land and the people in the gorgeous island nation of Tavanui. And I thought it was really lovely to see, if you haven't already looked, if, it was really lovely to see that the locals welcoming the players back um, back to the land, dousing them in lays, open arms, applause, and even a roadside free dance. They literally stopped the bus, pumped up the music, and got the boys out for a dance. It was It was really exciting to see. Now, Fiji will host the opening match of the Pacific Nations Cup versus Tonga in Latoka on the 22nd of July. Now, Ely, there's more preparations going on across the Pacific for the World Cup and over in Samoa. Yeah, in Samoa, the Prime Minister Fiamme Naomi Mata'afa conveyed her best wishes to the Manu Samoa squad and wished them a successful preparation and campaign for the Rugby World Cup. 
Now, head coach Seilala Mapusua is optimistic about their chances and believes, quote, the current squad has what it takes to win the World Cup, end quote. Now, they are some pretty big fighting words from head coach Mapusua. Um, and he's got some backing behind that because he has added a former Wallaby and four former All Blacks to his roster. He's definitely got some good players uh, available uh, for, for Samoa as they go into the World Cup. So um, it's not bad to make that statement that, uh, that he's confident, but uh, it's going to be a tough tournament. Yeah, look, the confidence will definitely boost the, the other boys in the Manu Samoa squad. So wishing the boys all safe travels and the best for their games. Yeah, exciting stuff as the World Cup approaches later in the year. Now, flipping our attention to Rugby League and in the NRL, plenty of news yesterday with the Rugby League Players Association um, coming out and making a statement that they are going to boycott media commitments um, across the course of this weekend to begin with um, for the um, NRL Premiership. And what they're, what they're proposing they're going to be doing is they're going to boycott pre-match interviews, halftime interviews, post-match interviews, post-match press conferences, media opportunities in the dressing rooms and mixing zones and direct communication with media via players um, through mobile phone or social media. And if a team's not scheduled to play, they're still going to do the same. So media boycott, essentially there's obligations that uh, clubs and players have under the agreements with the NRL and the broadcasters that they will do um, their share of media appearances and interviews and it all revolves around in-game, through the week and, and whatnot. So the the RPAs obviously um, come to a standstill with negotiations with the NRL, which is where I work. I'll, I'll caveat by saying that. Um, and, and there's there's a disagreement on on getting the the final CBA settled. Uh, so the RPAs felt like they, they've got to a position where they want to take some action, and, and this is the way they're going. So it created big news yesterday. The NRL has responded um, by stating their position currently as it is, and no doubt there's going to be some some things that will transpire pretty much. Well, there's a game on after our show, so we're going to get the first taste of what that looks like in terms of the boycott, um, but this is going to be ongoing for at least the next uh, little while and into hopefully not into the back end of the year because... We'd love to see this CBA finalised so that we can get on with with rugby league. Uh, the game's been quite enjoyable to watch. We've got the NRLW season about to kick off in a few weeks. So there's a lot to be excited about in terms of on-field. It'd be great if this off-field stuff can get sorted. Yeah, look, I don't know if I could if I could put up with commentators interviewing themselves after <laughs> after a rugby league match. Like I want to see the down and dirties listen, of the game. Listen listen to the ABC. They can yeah. interview each other and you can get some really good content good, out of the good ABC. Banter. Yeah, definitely. Now in, in brighter news with the NRL, Tui Kamakamita, who is a front rower from uh, the Melbourne Storm and also a Fiji Bati International, he headed home for their uh, their bye week. They're on a bye week this week and he's headed back to Fiji where he's offered his help in some of the uh, academies or local clinics that have been run for some junior rugby league clubs. He was approached by Wise Katavarada, who's the Fiji Bati coach. Um, Wise played in the lower grades here in, um, in New South Wales or in, in uh, Australia. And um, yeah, Tui obviously has a great standing in the game. He's been a part of a really successful Melbourne squad, won a premiership. He is a huge man, by the way. Like he is such a, a fearsome looking guy, but great for him to take his downtime back, back home where he's obviously visiting family and friends, but um, to impart some of his knowledge that he, that he learns in one of the best systems in the world at, at the Melbourne Storm and, and pass that on to some young up-and-coming players in Fiji. I think it's, it's awesome that he's making that commitment. Yeah, absolutely. I commend this, and I love seeing these kind of stories. Like these young league stars will not have a better role model to look up to. Um, and 
kudos to him. It's ten, he's got 10 games left with the Melbourne Storm in this season. And what better way to rejuvenate than a week off connecting to culture, land, people, where it all began. Yeah. As I, as I said last week, um, mid-season culture check-ins. If it's not a thing, I'm going to make it one. Yeah, that's a great It's really idea. important. Yeah, I, lo- I love it, Ely. That's um, well said. Now, up next, it's Talanoa time. Talanoa time on Can You Be More Pacific? This week for Talanoa time, we're joined by Vanessa Poliaki, Cronulla Sharks inaugural NRLW team member, who is New Zealand-born Australian heritage Australian Tongan Heritage. Um, now, Ness, welcome. Welcome. It's good to have you on the show. Tell us a bit about yourself. Thanks for having me, guys. Um, yeah, so i um, born and raised in New Zealand. Uh, moved to Australia when I was 16, so I've been living here for about 14 years now. Um, Tongan Heritage and have signed for the next two years with the Cronulla Sharks. Wow, that's exciting. Signing for two years. I'm excited for you. Um, now, was there a culture shock coming from NZ to Australia? Yeah, um, definitely. Um, I came and moved to a little country town called Orange, uh, which is about three hours out of Sydney. Um, there's no Pacific Islanders there. Yeah. <laughs> I'll add. Um, but yeah, it was, it was very, very different from, from South Auckland, that's for sure. And I do actually remember that, yes, you did move to Orange, but then you also started playing rugby union um, for Parramatta Two Blues. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. So I, I had started playing union growing up, as you do in New Zealand. Oh, yep. Everybody there plays union. Um, and when I moved to Orange, I played for Orange Emus um, as well as New South Wales Country. And then when I moved to Sydney, I played for the Two Blues. Yeah, look, I remember actually playing against you. Um, when I played for when I played for Sydney Uni, and you were always the player that I would look over to see who was warming up. I'm like, oh, Vanessa's playing. <laughs> I'm gonna have to do on my toes well, here. <laughs> oh, I remember playing you, Ellie, but it hasn't been great memories because I'm pretty sure we lost oh. two grand finals to you. So, <laughs> not the greatest memories, but yeah, I do remember playing you. As uh, well. <laughs> anyway, you were always a stellar player, and we look forward to to seeing you in the rugby league this year. But what I want to know is, how did you make that transition? from rugby union to rugby league? Yeah, it was it was quite quick, actually. So um, it's a funny story because it was, we had a bye weekend that that round for union. Um, and you probably know Illy Maima, um, who's one of my best mates. She was playing league at the time as well. And mm. they were having a little tournament that week. They needed numbers. So um, she asked me if I'd play. So I went and played in this random tournament. Uh, didn't know that tournament was selection for New South Wales that day. Oh, she slid uh, that one so, in underneath you there. Yeah, so I played, got selected for New South Wales, um, and then, yeah, I haven't looked back. Vanessa, what about the the journey in NRLW? Obviously, you, you've been around for uh, uh, well, since uh, the first NRLW season with the Roosters, and, and now you find yourself yeah. at the Sharks. How have you seen the evolution of the NRLW um, in terms of its growth? Yeah, it's been huge. Um, we, we started off with four teams and now it's a um, competition of 10. Um, there's like, and, and we're seeing as well with um, two Origin games now. So the crowd, the crowd's a lot bigger. Um, there's more funding and investing within the game. Um, and we're seeing like competitions like Tasha Gale or Lisa Fiola Cup 
there's a clear pathway now for girls who are wanting to play at NRLW level now. Do you see those those pathway competitions, like the Lisa Fiola that you mentioned and Tasha Gale, do you see that the, the talent that's coming through is, is ready for that step up to, say, State Cup level or to NRLW sooner? Like, so younger girls are more capable of making that jump into the uh, senior level? Yeah, absolutely. Um, especially being able to play in in those sort of competitions, they're getting more exposure to um, the, the skill level that's required, um, the mental toughness as well. Um, and we're we're lucky enough at Sharks, we've got four development players who are 18. So you know, it just shows that um, the girls now are, are making it to that level at, at a younger age. Yeah, I was speaking to actually uh, Tiana Penatani on Monday about um, yeah. how the Sharks um, and preseason is going and she did mention those four development players and how exciting it is to watch them grow and develop in in such a like a professional outfit like um the sharks team there now from your experience um on and off the field what are you going to bring to the sharks team this year yeah i think um i don't want to say old age but experience (laughs) experience. i'm definitely going to put my foot down it's experience experience yeah. yeah one of the experience um Heads have been around for a while now. Um, and I think, you know, with experience comes calmness. I think mm. um, being, and I've been really lucky to be part of the Roosters inaugural women's side and now um, the Sharks, which is the reason why I signed there. I wanted to be part of that. Um, but yeah, it's just about passing down my experiences that I've had throughout the years. Lucky enough to play with the old heads like Ruan Sims and and Steph Hancock, but it's more just um, about, you know, guidance, I guess, and helping the young girls, you know, um, with things like skills and and just, yeah, helping them on the field to, you know, be better players. Yeah, I completely, I completely agree with you there um, because I feel like the younger players bring this energy and hyperactivity to a team where <laughs> they do they do rely on yeah I, I, yeah 100% agree where the karma the the old the experienced players as we mentioned before they do bring a sense of calmness and just mellow attitude where i think we need to use calmness as a superpower when when it comes to experience and and using that in the game of, of younger players. Now, how do you develop culture in a new team, especially like the Sharks? Yeah, um, so we're really lucky. We've got um, Tony Herman, who's our head coach, who, who's big on culture and um, a massive thing uh, with with Tony and, and the signings that he's made with the club this year is finding good people. Um, I think uh, I've, I have been a part of clubs and teams where, you know, some players are great, and but they're not good people. And um, you know, when you when you when you're building culture or building a club from the ground, you want you want to be surrounded by good good people. And you know, we sort of mean like um, that uphold the values and beliefs that we have within the club. And it's about uh, same thing. It's about um, you know passing down experience and knowledge. Like we do see at times that you know the younger players can get a bit rowdy and out of hand and, you know, like you said earlier, they've got a lot of energy and they're really excited and things like that. But it's it's about reminding them, you know, we what we're here to do. Um, and culture is a big part of that. 
Is that something that you feel is, is worked on across the entire club there at the Sharks? Obviously, you've got multiple teams, all different age groups. You've got both men's and women's um, NRL-level teams. Is, is that a, a culture that is like sort of spread out across the whole club? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, it shows, you know, we've got we get boys like Nico Hines coming down to training, Wade Graham, Andrew Safida. Um, you know, those boys don't have to come to our training sessions. Um, but you know they're they're there to help us, and the club's got a really good culture. Is that we're we all one, and um, we're really seeing that with everybody who's jumped on board to help us um, throughout preseason and heading into our season in a couple of weeks. Uh, we're chatting with Vanessa Foliaki. She's part of the inaugural Sharks NRLW team, and you're listening to Can You Be More Pacific on Radio Australia and ABC Sport Digital. Now, Vanessa, obviously, we, we've spoken about uh, where the NRLW was when you first began at the Roosters and, and now, obviously, with the, the Cronulla Sharks. Where would you like to see the game head um, over the next five years? Yeah, well, um, the first thing that comes to mind is full-time. Uh, we're not quite there yet, but I feel like we're making uh, good inroads to be able to get there in the next few years. Um, and also, it will be good or amazing to have every... Um, NRLW teams have a women's team aligned to them. Yeah, great. And so with that being said, do you have a game day ritual that you could bring to the team? Game day ritual? I don't actually. I'm quite boring. (laughs) Um, Like I just, I'm one of those people who just put my headphones on and I don't talk to anybody until I need to. Um, Yeah, nah, nah, I'm boring. I don't have any game day rituals. There's there's no superstitions? Like, if you don't do something, like, as you're about to run out in the field, do you think, oh, I need to do this or else my game might not go to plan? No, but I do have to have my hair braided. Okay. Oh, yeah. That's that's probably one that I think I have to have my hair nicely braided. Okay. Okay. Feel nice running out, look nice. (laughs) I think that's that's the one. That's the one I live by. Now, tell me, what's pumping in your headphones, though? Oh, you you wouldn't believe it, but like I listen to slow songs like Celine Dion and things like that. I'm, oh, I'm not a ballad. I'm not a you know the. I know a lot of girls who listen to like rap and things that are pumping, but I like to listen to calm music. That's your calmness. Yeah, yeah good. <laughs> definitely, mm. definitely bringing the calm and and on the field. <laughs> Do you have any advice for young athletes out there? Um. Yeah. Just. Um, just to work hard now, like there's, they're blessed with an opportunity that, you know, they've got pathway now to, to make it to this level. So, uh, work, work hard, stay humble, work in silence and, um, you know, you'll, you'll get there. I like that. Very solid, uh, advice. Um, and anyone out there listening, take Vanessa's advice because she's one of the more experienced players, which means she's been around a long time and has <laughs> succeeded at a high level. So uh, very good advice. Now, Vanessa, there's a game we like to play with our guests before we let them go and it's called Tip On. Basically, it's 60 seconds of rapid fire. Are you down to play? Yeah, lock me in. Let's go. The clock is on. What have you been binging? Oh, no, I haven't been binging anything. Pass, pass. What is, okay, what is your coffee order? A hazelnut latte with oat milk. Who was your most annoying teammate? Taylor Preston. <laughs> Who was your sporting hero? LeBron James. What would be your wrestler entrance song? Uh, probably The Greatest, see it. What is your favourite movie as a kid? The Titanic. <laughs> Who in your team is always on their phone? 
Oh, Fiona Jenke. What's something you could eat for a month straight? Chocolate. <laughs> Which teammate has the worst fashion sense? Uh, pass. Do you have a hidden talent? Um, I used to play violin. Nice. Uh, on a scale of one to ten, ten being the best, how good are you at keeping secrets? Ten. Ooh, Ooh. Like a vault, rock solid. She is like a vault. And I can rock see solid. A, I can see a theme here. We've got Celine Dion, Titanic. You played the violin. You've got a classical bit of edge to you there. Yep, I think so too. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Vanessa, thank you so, so much for joining us tonight. Um, and we wish you all the best ahead of the NRLW season. Cheers. Thanks for having me, guys. You can ask that. Your chance to ask what it's really like to be an elite athlete on Can You Be More Pacific? Yes, it's our favourite part of the show. You can ask that. It's where we answer a question about being in the world of sport from a current or former athlete's point of view. And this question uh, has been brought to us by Taylor from the Shire, the Southern Shire, which is down near where I reside or where I do reside. Uh, And this question's off the back of the Wallaroos. We had a bad loss last week against the Black Ferns. It was a pretty lofty scoreline that they, they come up against. And one of the points that was made off the back of that game was the fact that the Black Ferns are actually a full-time professional team. So their players are in a system where they have the luxury uh, of training, working out, doing all their preparation together full-time uh, and not having to, to worry about other um, sources of income of going out and getting a job. So um, obviously the Wallaroos in a very different situation. Um, they're paid very modestly um, and don't have that ability to to set aside the time to be full-time professional athletes. Now, the question is, um, in going professional, is there a a distinct advantage from an athleticism point of view or a skill point of view, or is it a combination of both? And Ilya, this is a good question um, for you, I think, to take on. Uh, Where where does the Blackfern system exceed the the Wallaroo system in that regard? Oh, I think the answer is is both. And yeah, the Blackburn system does succeed our system well and truly. And I, I can't help but be disappointed about the result for the girls on the last Thursday night. Like, and I'm not disappointed in the team. I'm disappointed for the team. And like they were coming off a win against Fijiana in May and the combinations seemed to work so well. So all they needed to do was build. All they needed to do was build ahead of the Blackburn's test and Whilst we had weekly satellite sessions, camp was one week out um, from the test and they were joined by, rejoined by the overseas players, which was um, Arabella McKenzie, um, Emily Chancellor and Caitlin Leaney, who would have injected some, some energy into the team and excitement. Um, I just feel that we are still two steps behind New Zealand and I think like the rest of the world when it comes to that that sense of professionalism and semi-professionalism and the style of game we want to play and need to play on an international st- stage. So with the obviously the Black Ferns, they, they made this announcement. We covered it on the show a little while ago now. They made this announcement about having full-time contracts for their players uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, I want to bring up the example of uh, Sevens Rugby. So Sevens Rugby, again, in, in Australia, is it full-time professional for Sevens Rugby? Sure is, yes. And the, the players in the Sevens Rugby system, um, often we see them cross codes and jump into rugby. This is just a, an example that, I, that I've seen in, in the NRLW and both Black Ferns and um, uh, the Aussie Sevens players have come across into the NRLW 
and had a lot of success, as in like they're some of the players that stand out quite often and, and they bring a that athleticism point of view is something that you see often. They're often um, outside backs or fullbacks that move really well, have a, a lot of positive stats in terms of line breaks, tries, try assists, line breaks, assists, all those sorts of things. Um, there, there's a real... Um, elite athleticism that they bring across. Yeah, they do. And they bring an element of professionalism as well because rugby union is a global sport um, and it, it is it does succeed, say, your competitions of, of local standard in Australia or within New Zealand because it can be played um, around the world. But when push comes to shove, New Zealand just outplayed us. And I think it comes down to two things, um, player welfare and management and team cohesion. Like these teams that are winning these big games and, and tournaments have more time together. And yes, they do have time and the resources to play the game, to play, train, eat, sleep, everything full time. Um, and you did mention that, yes, New Zealand is is a full time outfitted program, but they have these training hubs, which are, are scattered about five scattered training hubs around New Zealand. And Whilst they are full time, they don't have to do a like a, a weekly job, um, but they do have to spend most of their time within these training hubs. Where Australia have to share their time within these satellite sessions and go to work during the day. So when you think of player welfare, our girls are stretching themselves over two areas and then having or expected to perform on field and and get those results. How do we? How do you see that? Is it is it a commitment from say rugby Australia to invest that funds? Is that is it as simple as that? Like they need to invest in paying the players more so that they can afford to be full time and investing in yeah setting up a program that runs full time. Yeah, it, it definitely is. And as you said before, the Aussie Sevens program is is proof of that. If you invest time resources into a program, you you get results. You water a plant, you give it food. Hey, it grows. So. It whilst I understand that Rugby Australia might be a little bit scarce in funds at the moment, but I mean, if you can afford to send your your male team to South Africa business class and your female team economy to Canada, I think there's a bit of inequality there somewhere where we can spread those funds out evenly amongst both teams. Well said, Illy. Now, if you've got a question, you can send it through to our DMs on Instagram. I'm at Dean Hullitow and Illy is at Illy Severby. That's me. Can you be more Pacific on ABC Radio Australia? Oh my God. You're with Illy Seva and Dean talking all things sport across the Pacific. Stick around, we'll spotlight our favourite socials, but up next we talk to Toto Kefu, the Kalitahi head coach, about Tonga's road to the World Cup. Joining us for Island Life this week, we're very lucky to have rugby legend Tora Kefu. He is the head coach of Ikalitahi and he joins us today. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Pleasure to be on, guys. Tora, if you can share with our listeners a little bit about uh, where you're at at the moment. Obviously, big year in international rugby, but uh, where is Tonga at at the moment in terms of, of preparations for the back end of the year? Yeah, no, we're progressing really well. We haven't assembled yet, so... We plan for the staff to assemble um, in the kingdom on Monday um, and then the players will follow um, on Wednesday, Thursday. So we hopefully to be 
um, hit the training paddock by late next week. Nice. And uh, obviously a big match coming up in the middle of July. You'll be uh, taking on Australia A uh, and uh, a, a pretty important match considering you'll be celebrating the 50th anniversary of the win you had over the Wallabies or Kalitahi had a win over the Wallabies back in uh, Brisbane in 1973. So pretty uh, cool occasion to, to get together and celebrate and in, in, included in those preparations. Yeah, definitely. Um, a real um, like iconic uh, moment in Tongan history, uh, that game in 73. And I thought really important for us to, to celebrate that um, and, and to also bring in as many of the 73 team as, as possible. It's, it's From what I'm hearing, it's an absolute buzz in Tonga at the moment. Um, so there's Tongans from everywhere, from the States, from New Zealand, Australia, all converging into for the next couple of weeks. There's some other celebrations happening as well, but um, a lot of people there for that um, that game against Australia, right? Yeah, wonderful. I can only imagine uh, the catch-ups, the reunited players from 1973 t- telling those stories in the stands. Yeah, there's only, there's only really a handful left, but um, you can imagine around the Carver Bowl uh, pretty much every night the, the tall stories uh, being told. <laughs> and they just get taller and taller, don't they? <laughs> Definitely. Now, I did see that the official squad came out for the July Internationals. Um, it came out on socials. Who were you excited about? Oh, look, yes, yeah, a really exciting team. And um, we've had nothing but really positive feedback from it. Um, look, really exciting to see the uh, uh, the, the back two play together again, uh, Charles and Izzy. Um, and in that back line, we'll add um, Sekitoa and, and, and George George Moala. So those four haven't played together yet for Tonga. Um, and there'll be some exciting young players around them. But um, we had via Fafida and Augustine Pulu first put on the Tongan jersey in November last year, and um, they actually really transformed our game. They were unbelievable. So um, all together, we're hoping, um, you know, we can put a good performance against Australia A. Toto, what about yourself with your your role as head coach? Obviously, um, you, you've got a, a, a long decorated career as a player, but how, how's the, the, the coaching, uh, the transition into coaching gone for you as you've taken on this role? Yeah, well, I, I started coaching um, pretty much after my playing career in Japan, uh, where I took over my club there for about uh, five years, and and we enjoyed some success. Um, the year after I retired, we got relegated, and then I took over, and we got promoted straight away, and and we stayed in the top league um, um, for a while there, and then the team just won last season actually the the whole top leagues which was which was fantastic um yeah ever since i've joined tonga it's been it's been eight years now and this will be my last campaign with uh with ikali tahi um yeah it's been some ups and downs um i've got to be honest with that um you know some of the 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 boys that have come to put on the red jersey have absolutely given everything and you couldn't ask for more um, and and, and um, the team that we have now is, is it's got to be close to probably the best Ikali Tahi team that we've ever assembled. Um, so I'm really really excited for that, and hopefully um, to finish off on a good note.
Yeah, fabulous. I'm excited to see this team perform. Now, we are chatting with Tarai Kefu, head coach of Ikali Tahi. You're listening to Can You Be More Pacific on Radio Australia and ABC Sport Digital. Just speaking of the team and the up-and-coming World Cup, what are your expectations? Oh, look, um, you know, with, with, with the influx of the quality of players we've got, obviously it comes um, big expectations. But look, I think um, you know we, we we only have limited time together. Look, we're not going to look too far ahead. We're just going to take each time, each game as it comes. Hopefully, build some momentum and build some confidence heading into France. Um, you know, we're, we're in a tough pool. We got Ireland first, then Scotland, then South Africa, and we finish off with Romania. So. Hopefully by the time we reach France, we'll be hitting our straps and, and, and the team will be absolutely, um, you know, on the front foot waiting um, with a lot of confidence and, and hopefully with some momentum going into that first game against Ireland. Do you look at those two matches you got in, in uh, August against Canada as your dress rehearsal? Like you, you play your strongest team then and um, that's, that's pretty much how you want to launch into September? Well, I think I think the plan is probably to play the first four or five games, uh, which is Australia A, then we launch into the PNC. That will probably see our, our best team, our best squad. Um, and then we'll come back to Tonga for the two test series against Canada. Um, and at the moment, we'll probably look to play players who haven't played um, much um, during that during that campaign. So... Um, but leading into, once we get to France and leading into the World Cup, we'll have some scrimmages against some, um, uh, some, some Rugby World Cup teams over there and maybe some uh, top 14 teams. Well, I'm interested to know, like, obviously you mentioned before about the length of time you've been um, coaching with Tonga, but um, for yourself, spending so much time in Australia, how has it been um, spending as much time as you would have done back and forth between Tonga and Australia and I guess getting to uh, be more, more in touch with your, your Tongan roots in the role as head coach? Yeah, look, that's, that's been one of the um, advantages and, and pluses of coaching Tonga. Because um, I grew, I, I was born in Tonga and I grew up in Australia, and you know, for the first probably ten to fifteen years, you 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 find yourself in between two countries, so you're not really Tongan and you're not really Australian. So you you kind of have um, some issues around identity, I suppose. But um, you know, I, I'm a fully fledged Australian, and, and I loved what I did in the Wallaby jersey that, you know, I'm really grateful for that, to have that career. But this, this job with Tonga and the Kalitahi has given me a chance to really look into my roots and, and my, and, and, and the genesis of, of my family. And, and that's been, that's been awesome. It's been really been an awesome experience. So um, I've really enjoyed that. Um, um, getting to know where my parents have come from, where their parents have come from, and just learning the cultural um, aspects of the whole, the whole um, being a Tongan. Um, so that's been a really, really awesome experience, and I'm really grateful to be given that opportunity to, to coach Tonga. Um, so that's been that's been awesome. Yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, that's uh, I respect that. And as you said before, the time in the Wallabies jersey, you had people cheering from you for you from Australia and Tonga and 
you have definitely left a legacy in the jersey, which I think future Tongan players and Australian prop players will will look up to. Um, now, Tonga has been through a bit with the volcano last year. How important is it to get these big games in Tonga and played in front of the people? Oh, look, that's a really, really good question. And to have this opportunity to do that has been been wonderful. And it, it, it's great that we can do this and we don't do it enough, I don't think. Um, and it's to our own detriment, um, you know, just through... Um, you know, some incompetence and, and, and some um, nepotism. Um, you know, we're, we're sometimes we're our own problem. Um, so it's been really good to get this back to, to, to Tonga, these games. We haven't played in Tonga for quite a while. I think the last time was maybe 2018. So um, this is, this is going to, it's, it's going to be absolutely huge this next couple of weeks, and I'm really, really looking forward to it. And I'm really happy to share this with with players who, um, you know, grew up like me, um, where where they haven't been, they don't know much about their roots and and where their parents come from. So that's going to be a real huge learning experience for them. Yeah, it's it's awesome uh, that they get that opportunity, and it's great to to see international rugby being played over in Tonga. Todd, I thank you very much for your time once again. On can you be more Pacific? We wish you all the best with those upcoming games, and also later in the year for the big one over in France. Pleasure, guys. Thanks very much. Can you be more Pacific? Keeping it social. Keeping it social this week. I found some goodies. I found one from the. Um, WNBA with a couple of players shenanigans on the bench during a game. And, you know, at NBA games, they've got the atmosphere going, the music pumping. So you got, you know, a bit relaxed and you got the team playing on, on the court. But these two players were ch- throwing it back, rolling the shoulders, doing a bit of A, A, A. And then they see their coach walking past and it's like, oh, quick, straighten up. We've got to look professional here. And then they rack back in and up. So let's, let's just take a listen. I'm assuming Becky's Coach Becky. Coach Becky. Yeah. Coach Becky with the good hair. Yep. Yeah. Have you yeah. ever had to, you know, fix yourself up, straighten up real quick because someone's watching? Um, I don't know if I mucked around too much on the bench when I was playing. I was always too nervous about getting on the field, but... Um, oh, I'm pretty straight. <laughs> yeah. What about you? Me? Ah, oh, yeah. Oh, look, I think I remember one one game. It was a we played against the Black Ferns, and one of our girls got blasted because she waved at the camera as it walked Ooh. as it went past um, on the bench. So I think from that day on, everyone knows just a game face. No shenanigans. No shenanigans. <laughs> No, Sinead. What about you? What did you find? Uh, this came from the – the one I found came from the uh, St. George Illawarra Dragons Instagram. Dragons not having a great year. Had a tough weekend last weekend. But I, I really like this one because um, it was a debut announcement for Dan Russell, uh, who's 27 years old. So he's making a very late debut in his career. He's represented PNG on a number of occasions, and he's played a lot of lower-grade football. But um, the Dragons put a nice piece up about him receiving his debut. And then also, I should say – made a call through his parents. Hey, Mum, how you going? Hey, mate. G'day, son. How you going? Good, you? Good. I waited up all night waiting for your call, mate. <laughs> uh, I'm going to make my NRL debut this week. Oh, Dan, you're joking? No. Oh, my God. 
I'm gonna make Manor all day, boo. Oh, damn. When? This week. Oh, shit, son, eh? Oh, my God, damn. I've got a little tear in my eyes. I'm shopping in the supermarket. Oh, my God. Congratulations, darling. I knew you could do it, Dan. Yeah, Friday night, off the bench. Oh, that's great news, son. Congratulations, yeah. mate. Thanks, mate. Very heartwarming stuff. Oh, so heartwarming. It actually brought a little tear to my <laughs> eye. And along the same lines, I got special mention goes um, to the Matildas Insta. Yes. Where they, the Matildas players receive their selection news in kind of a similar style. And it just brings back memories of when I received my first call of, of debuting for the Wallaroos. And it's it does bring back those memories like it was yesterday. It also <laughs> shows that like how much it means to like, the people around, like you say, you for yourself, your family, and um, for Dan and his family and for those Matildas players, what it means beyond just them. So it's um, really cool moments anytime anyone gets that opportunity to, to make their debut. And yeah. That's what that was my pick because I thought it was really cool. But I love that yeah. the Matildas one as well was was very similar and very, very cool also. Yeah, for sure, for sure. ABC Radio Australia, your home of Sarah and Dean. Ellie, plenty of sport to look forward to this weekend, including uh, over in rugby, the Pacific Four Series. Yeah, lots of rugby to pack up this weekend, but it starts in the early hours of Sunday morning, kicking off at 6am Eastern Standard Time with our Wallaroos taking on the USA Eagles, followed by Canada and the Black Ferns. Now, our girls, the Wallaroos, are looking to bounce back after their devastating loss to the Black Ferns last week. Um, the team has not been released yet, but my predictions, um, that is Adiana Talakai will come in for Tanya Naden in hooker. Sarah's defence and leadership in the line-out was pretty damn good, if, if you ask me. Um, so I think she deserves a start in, in the lineup. Um, Arabella McKenzie will I hopefully start at 10. Um, and I'd like to see some midfield horsepower from Tongan-blooded centre Siokopesi Palu. Um, so that's be exciting. And Laurie Kramer will relieve Feitala Moleka at fullback after Moleka sustained an ankle injury in the Black Ferns game. Now, Hopeful to see another Fijian sister potentially make her debut in the green and gold, and that is in the form of powerhouse back rower Tambua Tui Nakaravandra. Exciting stuff for the Wallaroos for some uh, girls to get their opportunity to play against USA. As you say, hopefully they um, they can get a, a good win and kick off their Pacific Four series in style. Yeah, fingers crossed, fingers crossed. And the second game in the Pacific Four is Canada versus the Black Ferns. Now, last time these two teams meet, it was 28-0 Black Ferns way in the Pacific Four tournament last year. Now, throughout the World Cup, Canada showed some progress and promise by making it their to the semis, um, where unfortunately they lost uh, to England. Now, Canada are another team whose athletes are screaming to be made professional over semi-professionalism. So the results of this game could see my theory either come to fruition, come to fruition or thrown out the door. Um, but black firms have been unstoppable after, um, even after the changing of the guard. Um, and our first international kickoffs um, in the, the men's game against Japan and the All Blacks, 15 in Tokyo, 5 p.m. local time, where the Brave Blossoms head coach, Jamie Joseph, says the All Blacks 15 will represent a huge challenge with the team made up of pl- players hungry for all for all black 
selection, while Samoa, Tonga, Fiji will bring the physicality and passion typical of Pacific Islander rugby. Um, now, both the Japanese and All Blacks 15 have some Pacific Islander talent scattered throughout both teams. So this should be an exciting game to watch. I'm looking forward to it. The rugby championship also begins on the weekend. South Africa versus the Wallabies in South Africa. Now, a bit of controversy around the Springboka team, naming where they left 13 starters off the roster versus the Wallabies. Yeah, is it like, is it disrespectful or are they planning ahead. They've said they're planning ahead, right? That's the yeah, that, that's yeah. the reason. Yeah, coach uh, Jacques Nayanaba has divided his squad into two where 13 players will go ahead to New Zealand early to prepare for their clash against the All Blacks and I think it could be a bit gutsy by him. It could be. I guess if you're looking forward to the, the main focus for most nations at the moment is like we've got World Cup at the end of the year so we need to get ready for that. Yes, you want to play your best team or get your combinations right, but if it's about preparing long-term, I understand it. The Wallabies obviously want to play against the best Springboks team because that's going to give them the best preparation. A little bit different, I guess, in terms of their travel. But anyway, nonetheless, Wallabies over in South Africa, tough place for them to go. Pretoria is very, very hard to get a win. Very hard. Um, But with this being said, they're set to create an upset on South African soil. And they're probably hopeful that Marika Korombete repeats his performance from last time the teams met in Adelaide. He was outstanding in that game. Um, But Wallabies do welcome back Quade Cooper and Samu Karevi to the starting team, both after suffering serious long-term injuries last year. The second game in the Rugby Championship is the Argentinian Los Pumas versus the All Blacks in Argentina. Now, I think Argentina may need to call on the Argentinian locals as the 16th man to get the boys over the line for this game Um, because currently New Zealand are ranked third where Argentina are ranked eighth in the world rankings. Um, and Mawanga is set is said to the boys are going to keep it simple. Being at their first test, they have more simpler focuses um, where things they, they know and should just be in the DNA of their footy. So it seems like the All Blacks are simmering ahead of the rugby championship. Argentina's always liked playing the All Blacks, but haven't they? They've, they've had a couple of upset wins against them, so maybe they'll surprise and they are at home, so... Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, all the best. But like you said, it is a Rugby World Cup year, so I think coaches and teams are playing around with different combos, see what works best. They certainly are. Now, the NRL is in round 18 this weekend, and probably the only couple of matches, that it's a, it's a shortened round. It's the last of the big buy rounds, so a number of teams sitting out with buys. Um, but the Warriors and the Eels will play each other at Western Sydney Stadium on Saturday evening. Both teams, well, the Warriors not impacted by origin, but the Eels impacted by origin at home. Warriors need to bounce back after their loss to the Rabbitohs last weekend. So I think this is going to be a really, really big uh, matchup between both teams. And I think the Warriors might sneak up and get this one. So um, watch that game on Saturday. Or listen to that game, I should say, on ABC on Saturday. Uh, the Titans versus Dolphins in the um, one of the new local derbies or Queensland derbies that, that's been taking place since the Dolphins have entered the competition. On the Gold Coast, again, the Titans without a number of stars, um, Tino Fasul Malawi and also Moaki uh, Furuaika. Who else is out for them? Uh, David Fafita. I can't, mm. can't miss David Fafita. So they're, they're impacted. The Dolphins also impacted by origin. But I think that's going to be a tight one. Also, now we can't let it go without saying the origin. Game three next Wednesday night. 
called the dead rubber because it doesn't mean anything in terms of the series winner. But any time a, a team is put together to play start of origin, you know that the players are going to want to perform and, and, and come out with the win. Now, New South Wales have – I'll start with Queensland on the changes. Reese Walsh obviously out through his suspension um, for being a potty mouth. Uh, they bring out AJ Brimson to cover his spot at fullback. Other than that, there hasn't been a whole lot of changes to the Queensland team. New South Wales have made a host of changes or – a raft of changes. I don't know the term. We'll go with raft of changes. Uh, the players, notable players that are out, Jerome Luai, Junior Bolo, uh, Payne Haas, Stefano, Stefano Utukamanu, and Tyson Frizzell have all been um, dropped from the side. And the players that are in, Jacob Safidi, uh, Keon Koloa Matangi, and also Regan Campbell-Gillard makes his way under the bench. Actually, he's starting Regan Campbell-Gillard. Mm-hmm. Spencer Lenu is going to be on the extended bench. So he's uh, 18th or 19th man at this stage. So, Big changes for for the Blues, obviously wanting to not go in a, go down in a series whitewash. Yeah, they are some big changes. Um, but look, I'm not mad about Luai being dropped. I think his headgear was a bit tight <laughs> in those first couple of games because he was making some questionable choices representing New South Wales. And I'm not talking about, and I'm talking about on field behaviour, not um, and I mean in sportsmanship and, and not playing ability. Um, but I am excited to possibly see Koloa Matangi and his versatility off the bench um, because he has been seen to be play on the edge, in the middle, and during the World Cup he even played minutes at hooker for Tonga. Ah, so that, that, that could be exciting. Yeah, he, he'll be good. Like He's been awesome for South Sydney on an edge for a long time now. So he, he is a very good blend of a play. Like you could play in the middle if you had to. You can play on an edge like very well. Uh, so it'd be great to see him get a start. I, I do feel for the probably for Junior Polo and um Stefano I said that Payne Haas was dropped. He wasn't dropped, he's injured. Uh, uh-huh. I correct that. Um but I felt for Junior Polo and Stefano Tokamanu who both really didn't do anything wrong, I didn't think in game two. They've just gone a different direction. Neither did Tyson Frizzell for that matter. Neither did Jerome Luai. Other than like <laughs> a few of those antics that you mentioned that kind of really ruffled his own feathers as well as the opposition team. So yeah, for sure. Yeah, difficult uh, look, times. Yeah, I'm I'm intrigued to see if Freddie's changes will get um, New South Wales a W. But we already know Queensland got the series in the back. Oh, we know where your allegiances <laughs> lie. Anyway, don't forget you can catch Andrew Moore and the Grandstand Rugby League team across the weekend and into Origin next week, calling all the games on Radio Australia. Well, that brings us to the end of the show, but we will be back same time, same place next week. Don't forget you can find all our episodes on the Radio Australia website or wherever you listen to your podcasts. More there. Can you be more Pacific? An ABC Sport production for ABC Radio Australia. This program has been funded by the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade.